Ephesians chapter 5. Now, we've been, uh, it's been Lori and I's privilege to be uh, leading a parenting and um, marriage session. Uh, the ladies' Bible study is going on, and we have, there's just been some, it's beautiful to get some encouraging re- responses from the things that the Holy Spirit's doing through the Word of God and through opening up the Scriptures. And so, um, it's funny because at my age, in my situation, it's been a couple of years since I had little ones in my house that were called Duggins that were running around. So, you know, you kind of, and some of you can relate to that as you move along in life, you, it's not that you totally forget all those things, but they're not in the forefront of your mind. And so what's been really cool about uh, just open dialogue and discussion and all the studying, because what Lori and I have been doing, we haven't been taking a particular book or curriculum but we're, we've been preparing for months and just pouring out of ourselves what God has done and what God has taught us. So it's, it's been a really beautiful process. So Ephesians chapter 5, a lot of times, and what's amazing to me is, especially growing up, Ephesians chapter 5, it's funny how some denominations and some groups seem to focus on one application of some of these verses and not, uh, to me, the most important, uh, which is a little bit harder focus on the men. But I believe that men are made to lead. I believe in you as a, as a man. I believe that God has called you to greater things than what most of us are experiencing in life. But I also want to just, I want you to look at verse 22. We're going to read it verse 22 on. But I want you to think about some things and look at this illustration in, Matthew, in Ephesians chapter 5. And I just want to draw your attention and give you a couple thoughts this morning. But verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ. Now, I, I don't know about you, but this, is, this begins to raise the bar um, pretty, pretty high. Uh, just as Christ is subject to the church. And we're talking about what is the church? What does the church mean? What's, what's our view of church? So let the wives be their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. This is my pause. This is like the soaking, sinking in moment. Where you go, you just kind of let it resonate. Or if you're like me, you go, whoa, whoa. Hmm. Christ gave himself for the church that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. You want to know why? It is such a battle for each and every one of us to open up the living truth of the Word of God, as it says in Hebrews, this alive, vibrant, and supernatural experience. Because the Word of God, please hear me, look at me, understand, receive from my heart as well as my mouth. When you begin to get in the Word of God, when a skeptic, an atheist, begins to open up the living Word of God and open up to the reality of what's being presented, 
It's amazing the washing and the cleansing effect. Please hear me. Some of you this morning, you're not opening up the Bible for yourself personally. You're not perusing the scriptures the way you used to, and you think that it's my fault that you're not getting something out of the church meeting, or you think that it's somebody else's fault that you're not feeling close to God. We'll just put a pause on my response to that right now, because we'll get there in just a few minutes. The washing of the water by the word. You don't know why Tim Duggins is in the word of God? Not because of my responsibility and my position. I'm in the word on a regular daily basis because I need it to be the man that I'm supposed to be. First and foremost, because I'm trying to follow Christ and because I'm trying to be the man that I was not wired to be to my wife and I'm trying to lead my family in a way that I can't because of what Christ has called me to. So I come to him going, help, teach me, lead me. Now, those of you that have been in the parenting class, Okay, those of you who've been sitting in our home and hearing Lori and I pour out our souls, you can make eye contact with me and know deeper that that's not just words. Cindy, can I get an amen back there? Okay, I'm not just, this is our reality. Okay, where we come from and my packaging, I need a ton of help. So I go to God daily, and if you want to know the truth, I go to God so many times throughout the day, pouring scripture over myself. I have verses everywhere. You know why? Because I need some shower. I need some refreshment. I need some spritzy spray all over my mind. Moving on. Whoo! That he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands, I love your own wives. Husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. Got to turn a couple pages here. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does a church. Some of you men, if you're a little confused by this, our men's retreat menu should help you get a practical illustration of this. <laughs> Derek's back there laughing. It's a man feast. We're going to eat well there. And... Most guys that, when I just say Derek Broomball is helping with the food, they go, <laughs> okay, good. Why? Because there's going to be vittles laid out. It's going to be good stuff. Okay? Just think about that as we read a little bit. Verse 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Guys, there's a simple process, and this is not the lesson this morning, but, you know, a majority of the time, there's a really good chance 
you love properly, you're going to get respect. But that's not my lesson today. So I'm just throwing that out there for free. Okay? Ephesians chapter 5, we get a great illustration. What I love about this is we're using, there's a deep illustration used here, but the focus is our Lord and Savior and His love for this thing called the church. Now, we've talked about it before, but I want to just really focus in for a few minutes. I want you to think about this. This, you can't read these verses and think that the church is property, holdings, or buildings. Please hear what I'm saying. We're not against these things. We've been praying. We want to be somewhere, and it would be awesome for us to have a place that would be our place for Bible studies, fellowship, prayer meetings, all of that. We're not, we're not against that. We're praying and asking. We're trying to figure out. You're praying with us. What is our next step? What is, where do you want us, God? The majority of our church family is from Madison. We're praying and asking God to give us a spot in Madison to where that we can be there because the, the majority of ministry and lives touched is in that particular county. So we're just responding to what God's doing. But within that, it's very difficult for us as human beings to keep things very clear. This, when you read this, just like in a marriage, you're married, you're husband and wife, and you have children, you have offspring, and where you live and what your holdings are are not near as important as the way that you relate to one another and the way that you bind together and the way that you live out your love. If you've seen some of the places where Lori and I have lived, I don't know, maybe you share some of those stories. And it's great how resilient our kids are because they come out of that with the most hilarious, awesome memories. We lived in a place one time, didn't have insulation in the walls. And literally, you could feel it was right on Chesapeake Bay. And so when the wind was gusting, you could, you know, some of you have lived in farmhouses like that. You could feel stuff. So... Certain times during the cold winter, we had this little, you know, the little narrow stoves. Okay, so we had a pellet stove that we put in. Thank God for a pellet stove. And then we had, you know, the cook, it was electric, so it had the four, but it was about this wide. And then we had two electric heaters in the upstairs. It was like this open loft. And so when it was really, the pellet stove couldn't keep up. So we would put the door down on the stove and we'd crank it up to like 400, and then we'd turn the stuff up, and then we all had bundled up coats and blankets, okay? But you don't want to know what? And you say, oh, you ask the kids, hilarious, beautiful memories, because where we lived in those challenges weren't the most important thing. It was how we were rolling as a family. It was how we were doing together. Is that making sense? And so I just want to point out that right off the bat, you need to evaluate how you use the word church and what does church mean to you? What is church? And so I just want to ask your thoughts about your evaluation of Jesus this morning. What was one of the many key things that set Jesus Christ apart in his earthly ministry? I know that we could point out various things, but I want you to think for just a minute this morning 
What were some of the key things? And I know that there are multiple, but in your mind, what were some key things that set Jesus apart or made him different from the religious establishment? Okay. Here's the expectation. That was a question that elicits some type of a response from somebody in the group at some point. <laughs> he said he was God. Okay, that's a bit of a game changer. Okay, Jeff. Okay. So he said he was God. He focused on the heart. He hung out with sinners. That's... <laughs> Had to take your church into the tank, right? He had no home. So he was God. He hung out with sinners. He focused on the heart, and he didn't have a home. He was radical. What? He challenged the church. Lord. Broke their rules. Do what? He spoke to Samaritan women. He washed feet. Or he didn't hang out with the good old boys. He did what was right. What else? He ministered outside of the building. He did miracles. Whew. He prayed. This is good. Man, y'all are rocking it. Y'all got, y'all got better sermon material. So one of the key things that I want to focus on this morning that set Jesus' ministry apart, and you've already alluded to it in many ways, is Jesus, and I'm not going to, we all know that he had a little bit of a heads up and he had a little bit of an advantage, more so than we do. But Jesus was constantly dealing with people on their motives. Why do you do what you do? Jesus was constantly, it it didn't matter what the presentation was, whether it was somebody that appeared to be a dirty, rotten sinner, quote-unquote, whatever that means, or somebody that seemed to be so good and righteous and they had their stuff together, quote-unquote, whatever that means. Jesus was constantly dealing with people about their motives. And I'm not going to give you a ton of illustrations. All you got to do is open up the New Testament and go through any one of the Gospels and read a couple of chapters, and you're going to find Jesus confronting and dealing with people about their motives. Why did they do what they do? I just want to mention this. Image has always been a struggle for many human beings. And I'm going to just pour my heart out. I think that image issues... And being concerned about image is way more of a problem today than it's ever been. Technology is a blessing, but it's also a big cursing in this regard. Jeremiah 17.9. If you don't know that verse, write that down. Look at it. Because Jeremiah, prophet of God, an amazing man, he makes some profound statements about our natural packaging. And you know, that verse in Jeremiah is revealed from Genesis to Revelation 
And if you'll be honest within your own self, you reveal the reality of this verse. It says that the heart of each man and woman is deceitful, desperately wicked. Who's going to know what's going on deep down inside? So the verses that I love is the psalmist David. He said, God, you look at my heart and you help me with myself and you know my thoughts and you, you help me work through those so that I can look deep within myself. And that's why the Hebrews verse that I quoted about the Word of God, it says that the Word of God is like a two-edged sword that pierces even deep down and it def- divides, it discerns, it flushes out the thoughts and the intents of the heart because our packaging, our DNA, gives us the platform of messed up motives. Are you tracking with me? So a couple things I just want to mention real quick. What we're trying to do is be a church family that's less about the external and more about the internal. This is not an easy path. And I'm just telling you, as, as one of the lead shepherds here, it's not an easy path for me because I didn't have anybody go before me. I didn't have anybody transfer these thoughts and these beliefs. It's come because of my relationship with God and my study of the Word of God and my interaction within church. And I've mentioned this before, but I'm more concerned about heart and soul. Some of you, you found out because you come to Lori and I and you lay your junk out on the table and you say, okay, go ahead and reject us and push us away because I know that I have made mistakes. And that level of honesty and truthfulness is why you're embraced because then we understand each other because there's a level of transparency and the BS factor is being taken off the table and there's a sense of raw reality, which is how Jesus dealt with people. It's got to be, we've got to be a a church family that is constantly evaluating why do we do what we do? What is our goal? What is going on? What motivates me? And we have got to address that it's got to be less about image and the outside, and it's got to be about internal transformation because that's what Jesus was talking about for his church. And how are we going to be presented as glorious and beautiful? Not from the outside in, but from the inside out. It's His Spirit transforming us. It's His Spirit at work in us. And please look at me in the eyes. If you are giving up on yourself because you feel like you're a jerked up, messed up, screwed up mess, please don't do that. I'm not going to ask you to vote. We were just having an open dialogue about communication in our parenting class. And somebody was being honest and real and says, I'm struggling because I'm trying to clean up my potty mouth. And this particular person was kind of being down on themselves. And I said, let's stop right there. So we took a poll. It's a group of like 25, 30. I said, how many in here struggle with being a potty mouth? 90, 95% of the hands went up. The person looked around and goes, hmm, I feel better now. Thank you. I'm using that to illustrate, if you just look around, we all be in the same boat. We're trying to work through our stuff, and we're trying to learn to be honest 
And that's why we so desperately need Jesus and we need his thoughts to cover us because we need to change how we view ourselves, but from the inside out. With these two comparisons, we'll wrap up this portion. Motives. Why do we do what we do? I want to give you two things and then two applications. Be honest. When you're working through your, your motives and learning to work through your motives, Jesus dealt with honesty. So be honest and just own your own stuff. We live in a world that makes excuses, rationalizes, justifies, throws stones. I'm just telling you right now, if you're a person, I don't care what your past is, I don't care how your decision-making has been destructive, if you will learn to be honest and to own your own stuff, you will begin by faith with Jesus' help to begin to live an absolutely amazingly transformed life. This is what I mean by that. In most religions, most religions, motives do not matter. It's performance, and there's a lot of presentation. I'm not saying that across the board, but I'm saying in a general sense, when it comes to a lot of religious formalities, it doesn't really matter why you do what you do as long as you do it. Motives do not really matter. That's why Jesus was constantly at conflict with the religious crowd of the day and age when he was dropped into the planet. Faith relationship with Jesus Hear me, brothers and sisters, I don't care what your tradition is, genuine faith relationship with Jesus is all about motives. It is all about, from Christ's perspective, why do you do what you do? And so here we are, a group of people that are naturally focused on image, we're naturally focused on the outside, and so this process of transformation, for me, has been taking place since I was 17 years old. I am still addressing and working through these religious trappings that make it easy for me to be more concerned about what I do and how I present myself than who I am and where I am in my heart before Him. So as a church family, this is not something that you flip a switch and go, I got that. No. We get a clue and then we keep trying to figure out how to get that day by day. Does that make sense? I don't know where you are, but I'm going to ask you this morning to present yourself just like the song that we started with and the songs that we've been singing. If you say, I'm not worthy to present myself to Christ, oh, yes, you are. Because you know where you are. And you know who you are. And he's not looking for worthy people. He's looking for honest, open people. He's looking for people to come to him and open themselves up to him. And then can I just tell you something? Then we have this beautiful sense of unity together because nobody's looking down on anybody else because we are all in need of redemption. We're all in need of forgiveness. And we're all in need of transformation.